You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. The hardest part of uh, the sermon is the intro. I don't need to do that. Uh, I, I thank Andy. I don't deserve all that. But uh, I am uh, honored to, to be here and try to share with you uh, God's Word today. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, just tell the tweets, glad to have you guys here today. I, I know it's, it's difficult uh, for y'all to get here, and I, I want all of you younger people to understand that, that it's difficult sometimes to get up and to come, uh, but you, you have to. i also like to say my dad over here is here. Uh, Last month, he turned 100, uh, but he made it today, uh, and I was thinking I was going to be the elder, but I'm, I'm not, so uh, uh, I feel good about that. Uh, today, I'd like to look at what's in a stick. Uh, we're going to be going through quite a few scriptures, so you may not want to turn in your Bible, hopefully it'll be all up here overhead, uh, but we'll sort of go through them real quick. But this really wasn't my sermon. Uh, this was one that I listened to here a few weeks ago by Jensen Franklin uh, on uh, Are You a Stick? Uh, it will sound nothing like his sermon at all, but I, I, I like the context of it and, and what it meant and where it was going. Uh, so I stole it, and Pastor Franklin, if you're here, I apologize for using your, uh, your message. Uh, many, many years ago, they had a famous pastor, uh, R.G. Lee, uh, that preached a sermon over, they say, over 1,200 times, uh, payday someday. And he took, like Brother Andy, I think he took off uh, some time to recoup, relax, and so he just stopped by the, just a little podunk church, probably like Freedom, and just went in to relax. Well, the pastor was preaching payday someday. His sermon, he couldn't get away from it. But it was a powerful message. And, you know, he sort of got mad at first, but then after the message and the response to it, then, then he realized that's where he needed to be, and that's what he needed to hear. Uh, so... No matter how many times we hear a sermon sometimes, there are a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll hear something over and over again in, in, uh, in our small group on uh, Wednesday nights. Uh, I'll put a plug in for that, uh, at least 50 plus. Uh, uh, we come and uh, we'll usually show a video, uh, but we'll, I'll go through that video and uh, I'll make notes and then give, pass them out to the group. And then I'll go back and I'll... Look at it again. I said, where did that come from? You know, and then again, where did that come from? I, I missed it the first time. Missed it the second time. So it doesn't hurt to go back and to, to listen to, to, to preachers or, or people, and uh, we gain insight, uh, new, new insight from uh, all you students. Uh, whenever y'all study, do y'all just read through your books one time? No. You, you pick up little things that you skimmed over. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good to go back. 
Let me get my glasses so I can see here. There's all kind of ways we learn. Uh, we learn by reading. We learn by listening. We hear other people. Uh, and that's sort of where I got this message from, as I told you. But in, on Sunday mornings, uh, while we're getting ready for church, uh, pretty early, I don't know, get up to six or so, and we'll turn the TV on. Uh, but usually, uh, we'll start out with uh, the Pastor Merritt, and then uh, maybe Jensen Franklin, uh, Pastor David Jeremiah, uh, let's see, Charles Stanley, uh, James McDonald, Robert Morris, Ed Young. We'll usually pick up something out of each one of those, we don't listen to all of them at the same time, naturally, and, and, but, but we'll, we'll thumb through, and sometimes they catch the eye, and we'll, we'll listen to it. And it's good. It's good. They're, they're, they're very seasoned men of God and, and know what they're talking about, and you can count on them. But we have to be careful about who we listen to and what we listen to. So what I'm saying is it's healthy, but be careful. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in what you... He will give you a check. If you're not listening to something that you're not supposed to, something inside tells you, no. Now you can go on or you can stop. So I just, that, that's a warning. So now to get into our text, Exodus 3, 1 through 5. God uses the ordinary. But now, is it up there? Okay, yeah. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Now remember that. This is a bush that's burning. Yet the bush was not consumed. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, 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 Moses. When you hear something at least twice in the Bible, you better pay attention. God wants to get your attention. So he's calling Moses, hey, Moses, Moses, pay attention. Of course, he got his attention by the burning bush anyway. But still, when God speaks to you and he speaks to you more than once or he tells you something through the Holy Spirit more than once, you better listen to him. He's trying to direct you. And he said, here I am, and now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Verse 10. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people my people. Who are my people? Who are his people that he chose? The Israelites. The sons of Israel out of Egypt. We had a monumental uh, thing this, this past month when uh, our president uh, moved our embassy uh, to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. Uh, 
probably more impact than we will, we will know. Uh, but there again, it's, it's our duty, it's our instruction from God to support Israel. And I, I, I think our, our president did right in doing that, uh, to uh, support them. God loves them regardless of whether they believe in Jesus or not. He's going to use them. And, and he will bless that, that country as he always has. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. I would too. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by its tail. And he stretched out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. Just a stick. Just a stick. Where did Moses find that stick or that staff? You remember that he left Egypt around age 40, ran away from uh, killing an Egyptian, went out into the wilderness for 40 years, and I'm sure he picked up that stick out there in the wilderness because he became a sheep herder along with his family, married, and his father, uh, had flocks with sheep and goats or whatever. But he got that stick in the wilderness, in the desert. Sometimes God puts us in the desert, in the wilderness. We need to look for that stick. Chapter 8, verse 13. Do we ever argue with God? when he calls, when he talks to us or tells us to do something. But Moses said, please, Lord, now send the message by whoever thou will. That means someone else, not whoever, not, not, not just anybody you want, but just someone else. Just don't send it by me. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. I never heard this before, but as Moses was talking with God and, and asking about that, he was preparing Aaron to come meet him. I don't know how, uh, how, you know, where did, how did Aaron know where he was? Uh, that was his brother. I don't know if he was in Egypt or whether he was out in the desert uh, with them or not. But did anyone know exactly where Aaron was? I'll, I'll take that as a no. Okay. But anyway, he, he appeared to him. God, God prepared him to meet him. Verse 17. And you shall take your hand. Wait, did God send Aaron to Moses? Okay. And you shall take your hand, this staff, with which you shall perform the sign. Just a stick. Now, this begins a pretty tough road for Moses and for Aaron. God calls us anywhere and anytime. 
And he called Moses out of the desert, called Aaron out of the desert. Chapter 7, verse 8. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, What a miracle! Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it, I'm sorry, work a miracle. Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. Just a stick. Just a stick that God used. It was trickery on the magician's parts. It was not a miracle on their part, but it was a miracle on God's part. And then it said that Pharaoh's heart was hardened and did not listen to them. Verse 20. So Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded, and he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile. And all the water that was in the Nile turned to blood. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And then the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. There was two plagues there, but just a stick. God used just a stick. And then the Lord said to Moses in verse 16, Say to Aaron, stretch out the staff and strike the dust of the earth, and it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. Just a stick. Gnats. Who likes gnats? My wife hates gnats. A lot of people hate gnats. We go fishing. Stand the gnats. I can't stand the gnats. She's sitting there. She's not fishing. She's snapping. They, don't, they just don't bother me. I don't know if it's the perfume or what it is. But anyway, these are pretty bad gnats here that God sent them. Then the Lord said to Moses in uh, 9, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handful of soot. By the way, what is soot? burnt sticks from a kill and let Moses throw it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh and it will become fine dust over the land of Egypt and it will become boils breaking out with sores on man and beast through all the land of Egypt just sticks chapter 10 verse 12 then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come up on the land of Egypt and eat every plant of the land, and even all the hell had left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt. Just a stick. How many plagues were there? How many, how many plagues were there? How many plagues did God put on Egypt? Ten. <laughs> good, good guess. Good guess. He had ten plagues. If you look at them, by the way, ten is the number of completion by God. 
Seven is perfect, but ten is completion. The work is done. The first one was the blood. The second was frogs. The third one, gnats. The fourth one was flies or insects. The fifth was livestock. The sixth was boils. The seventh was hell. The eighth, locusts. The ninth, darkness. And the tenth, death. But that was a perfect number of God. He tried and tried and tried to convince Pharaoh to change his mind, but couldn't do it. And finally resulted in death. So now that leads us to the people of Israel after Pharaoh changed his mind, leaving Egypt, going out toward the promised land. It wasn't an easy trip for them. It wasn't a few days or a week or whatever. They had a little problem. They had the Red Sea in front of them and they had the Egyptian army coming behind them. But Moses said to the people in uh, chapter 14, 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. While you keep silent. I, I call these uh, people of uh, Israel at that point whiners. I don't know if y'all remember the old, I think they had the show, I don't know what it was, they, they call them the whiners. Right? The, the old people remember, they, yeah, 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 it's constant, you know. And that's, and that's what the people of Israel, but I mean, you know, they were, they were in a tough spot. But they were whiners. But God told them, keep quiet and listen. What does the word say? Uh, word say? Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. In Psalm 62, 5, it says, My soul uh, wait in silence for God only for my hope is from Him. Sometimes we just need to zip it, as Brother Ken used to say, zip it and listen. Verse 16, Moses, Now, as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Just a stick. Just a stick. Exodus 15, starting 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. And when they came to Marah, for they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Then he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the waters became sweet. Just a what? No, a tree. I knew y'all were going to say that. It wasn't a stick. It was a tree. But just a stick. He used the tree, the stick, to turn the water sweet. John 4, 13 says, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him 
shall become in him a well of water, springing up of eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty. Now that's sweet water. That's the word of God. As Jesus giving it to her, presenting her the word. Have you ever been real thirsty? I mean really thirsty. I, I have, I'm sure a lot, a lot of people have. My dad in the military, he said they were so thirsty they were drinking the water in the, in the trenches along the road. Uh, that's all they had to drink. I, you know, we've been hunting before and working on deer stands and that puddle of water looked good. Uh, didn't drink it, but wanted to. But thirst is something that, that everyone encounters. But the thirst we need is, is the water that the, the living word gives us. The first time Moses is commanded to strike the rock, the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness, Exodus 17, starting verse 1. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin. And there was no water for the people to drink. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff with which to strike the Nile. Go, and which you struck the Nile. Behold, I will stand at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. Just a stick. Now verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Ramadan. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for, for us and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So it came about when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Just a stick. But this time, Moses had help. He had Aaron and Hur standing there holding his hands up. How many times? How many you know, we have preachers that say, hold your hand up, and they'll, they'll pray an hour, you know, and I'm sitting there, you know, like this, you know. And that's the way Moses was. But as long as his hands were up, the battle was won. But as soon as he started dropping his hands with the staff, as soon as he started dropping his hands, the battle turned the other direction until he got help, until he got support, until his friends helped him go through the battle, and win it. Numbers, chapter 17. Uh, this is a, a unique story. Uh, Y'all may want to read uh, chapter 16 first to sort of uh, get a little idea of what's going on here, but uh, just real brief. Uh, 
the people was upset with Moses and Aaron. They were leading them. Uh, they have been directing them, uh, telling them what to do, and they just got fed up with it. And they wanted Moses to appoint another leader. And so they were at that point of, of, of just disgusted. And first... Uh, 16.3, it says, You have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy. Every one of them. All the congregation, we're holy. How many times people say, I'm, I'm better than they are. You know, these people, they, they were grumbling. They were whiners. Uh, they got fed up with someone telling them what to do. So they wanted to put their own leader in there instead of the leader that God wanted them to lead. So... God had a plan. Chapter 17, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and get from them a rod for each father's household. Twelve rods. How many uh, tribes were there? Come on, twelve. Twelve tribes. For all the leaders according to their father's household, you shall write each name on his rod, and write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there is one rod for the head of each one of their father's household. Now remember, this wasn't Moses' rod. This was Aaron's rod. It's a different, different rod. It wasn't anything special. You shall then deposit them in the tent of meetings in front of the testimony where I meet with you, and it will come about at, that the rod of the man whom I choose will sprout. Then I shall lessen from upon myself the grumbling of the sons of Israel who are grumbling against you. So Moses deposited the rods before the Lord in the tent of testimonies. Now it came about on the next day that the Moses went into the tent of the testimony and behold the rod of Aaron in the house of Levi had sprouted. It had put forth bud and produced blossoms and it put forth ripe olives. Well, was Aaron perfect as a leader? Neither, neither was Mo, excuse me, neither was Moses. But Aaron wasn't by any means perfect. It says that he tolerated idolatry. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain and came back down, and Aaron was in charge of the people. They just happened to throw gold into the fire and came out a calf. You know. Yeah, sure. Says that he permitted evil and conspired against Moses, but yet God used him. What's inside the Ark of the Covenant? Hebrews 9, 4. Having a golden altar of incense in the Ark of the Covenant covering all the sides with gold, in which was golden, which was a golden jar holding what? The manna? and Aaron's rod which budded and the tablets of the covenant or the Ten Commandments. I wonder if that rod still has buds and almonds on it. They hadn't found the Ark of the Covenant yet. I bet it does. I bet it does. But it was just a stick. Numbers 20, verse 2. And there was no water for the congregation. 
And they assembled themselves against Moses as Aaron and Aaron. Why then have you, have you, did Moses and Aaron bring them? No, God was leading them. Brought you, brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here. God was leading them, what, a cloud by day and fire by night. He led them the whole way through the promised land, the wilderness. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may, not, that it may yield water. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of the rock? Shall we bring forth water for you out of the rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. Did Moses and Aaron see the promised land? Did they go, excuse me, did they go into the promised land? No. This is why. Moses was instructed to speak to the rock. He wasn't instructed to strike the rock. And particularly twice, because Moses was upset. He was listening to the whiners this whole time. So instead of listening to God, he was using his own power, his own intuition, and he struck the rock. And God became angry with him and shut he and Aaron both out from entering the promised land. Listen, I've been accused of not listening. I don't know why. I have hearing aids, don't we? Need to put them on. <laughs> Verse 12 says, But the Lord said to Aaron and Moses, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. But yet God still provided. He still provided water for them, regardless of what Moses and Aaron did. If you ever get a chance, uh, I, I played this for our 50-plus group a few weeks back, Is God in Control, by Pastor Ed Young, uh, Second Baptist in, in uh, Houston, Katy. Uh, you can pull it up on YouTube and listen to it, and I will tell you it's probably one of the best sermons I have ever heard. And I don't know if these guys agree with me or not. I, it, it was good. It was good. Is God in control? Uh, this, Ed Young doesn't get too excited, but he got excited on this one. And, and he, was, he was, I understand, though, that Ed Young had been very ill. And, and a matter of fact, I think his wife even passed, had just passed away also. 
And just right after that, he preached his sermon. One, I said, one of those powerful messages he's ever, ever preached. In his, in his lowest time, the man did his best. But in that sermon, is God in control? I'm going to run over this story real quick for you. And this is after King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And I don't know if you all know who King Nebuchadnezzar is. He was a big king that uh, conquered uh, Israel and brought all of Israel back into uh, Babylon uh, and, and raised them. He, he took... Uh, uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and groomed them to be uh, fine young men because they were, they were healthy. Uh, that's, that's a long story, but Daniel had the gift of interpretation, uh, interpreting dreams. So Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and he asked Daniel to interpret it. But here, Daniel 4.29 this is 12 months later, he was walking. This is after the dream and after uh, Daniel had interpreted it. 12 months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Babylon the Great, which is right, it, it's in Iraq uh, and I think it's around within 50 miles of uh, Baghdad. So that's, that's where uh, Babylon was. Babylon the Great, which I myself, which I myself have built as a royal resident by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. Skipping back to verse 10, the king's dream, there was a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. And an angel shouts out, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage, and scatter its fruit. And then back to verse 33, immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. This was a mighty man but he took credit for everything. Look what I have done. Look what I have done. A mighty tree that was brought down, destroyed, and put out in a pasture with the cattle. How many times do we take credit for things when it's not by our power, not by our might, but the Lord's? How great can we be? I, I shudder at times when I'll get political here, but uh, I shudder at times when I hear our leaders say, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done. It's scary. Uh, God is in control. He is in control. He's in control of the stick, and he can put us down anytime he wants to. There was a quote by... R.G. Lee, it says, a person who has a Bible that's falling apart probably has a life that's not. Pretty good one. 
like everybody to quote with me Psalms 23. Get up here. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes all God needs is a stick. However great, however small, however flimsy, however strong, he can use that stick. So I challenge you, what kind of stick are you? Can God use that stick? Or is he going to take that stick, break it up, and burn it? Only a stick.